This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I love Central Church, right? I love this place. I love the community that we have here. I love the culture that we've established here. I love the generosity of all of you guys with the families we sponsor and the, the AWOL stuff and the giving. and all. It's just so incredible to be part of such a generous uh, community. I love the passion. I love the authenticity, man. I mean, very seldomly do you go in churches and hear so many swear words, but so many people that love Jesus at the same time. You know, it's just like, it's this, uh, I'm not condoning, I'm just saying it. It, it might, may or may not happen. Um, but there's just such authenticity in this group of people, man. It's like we're all broken, flawed people just following Jesus together. And come on, you want to do it? Let's do, it. Let's, let's do this together. It's an incredible thing. Um, many of you who have been around even for more than five minutes know that I love, I'm using the word love a lot here, but I love the Detroit Lions. I mean, I really do. And to be honest, it's one of the most abusive relationships I'm in. But, <laughs> but I absolutely love, I just I keep coming back. I don't know what it is. I, I just keep hoping and praying and rooting and all of this. But I love, 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 love the Detroit Lions. I absolutely love Verners. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? I love Verners. You bring me Canada Dry, I smack that out of your face, right? I pull a Nacho Libre, I'm like, get that out of my face. Canada Dry, what's that? That's death in the form of drink, I don't know. But Verners, you can hook me up to an IV. You can hook me up to an IV of Verners, right? I love pizza. Can you tell? Don't say yes. Not even in sermon prep, not even in preparation for what I'm talking about today. I'm not kidding you, not making this up. I had pizza for lunch and dinner yesterday. Both, right? I love, somebody's clapping. It's like, y'all need Jesus. Whoever was clapping needs Jesus. But I absolutely love pizza. I just, there's, it's like, I, I feel like if Jesus were here, that's what he would eat. It's just so stinking good. Everything about it is so good. But see, love is such a huge concept. So it's such a huge idea, a huge force, a huge emotion, a huge feeling, a huge state of being. And so it can use, it be used in so many different contexts, so many different ideas that it begs the question, like, well, what, what is love? Right? What is, how do you define love? What is Love, like a night at the Roxbury, is that what is love? Baby, don't hurt me, right? I'm showing my age. If you guys don't know what that is, get with it, all right? Might need to find another church. Um, love is such just this broad, vast concept. And if we're not intentional and we're not careful about love, we can unintentionally label it. We can unintentionally compartmentalize it. We can unintentionally define and redefine love. We can unintentionally place limitations on love, right? We can limit love to what culture tells us that it is. We can limit love to what movies tell us that it is. We can limit love to what music tells us that it is. We can limit love to a brand that puts words across the butt of pants or yoga pants or shorts or sweatpants or underwear or whatever it is. We can limit love and think that's what love is. We can limit love to sex. And sex and love can become synonymous one with one another and thinking that it's the same thing. If we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we can limit love to pizza and Verner's. I love pizza. Oh, I love you too, but I love pizza. Right? And Verner's. Amen. You know, but if we're not careful... We can do this, and none of these even scratch the surface of the kind of love that I want to talk about this morning. 
None of them even can even touch the love that I want to talk about. The love that Advent speaks of, it supersedes all these ideas. It supersedes all these concepts. It supersedes all these definitions and compartmentalizations and labels of what love is. The love that arrives wrapped in the swaddling blankets and a stinky, nasty manger in Bethlehem. It's a different kind of love. It's a true love. It's a pure love. It's a holy love. And so what I want to do this morning is unpack this concept of love. And so let's pray together, and then we'll jump into God's word and allow it to speak truth to us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time that we get to spend in praise and adoration to you in response to who you are. Thank you for, you know, Carmen and all the kids volunteers who've been working so hard to come up here and and put on that little display for us. It's just so precious. But thank you, Lord, for the families of this church. Thank you for the kids of this church. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and to open your word and allow it to speak to us. God, I pray right now that you would would open our minds, that you would soften our hearts, that you would make us receptive to what you have for us today. Lord, use me as an effective mouthpiece for your truth. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 So this idea of God, let's back up a little bit. This idea of God is so huge and so massive and so complex. It's, It's too vast for our finite minds to fully comprehend, right? But that doesn't deter humanity, right? We've been trying to figure this thing out throughout all of history. We've been trying to figure out God and understand God and and, and get to know God and and sort of explain things and figure it out and get a handle on it and wrap our heads around it and all of this. I mean, even scripture that's inspired by God, even scripture speaks through terms that we can understand to describe God. Because the, the Bible, oh no, I'm missing my Bible. Where's my Bible? I need my Bible. Where's my wife? I need someone to go get my Bible. Bob, can you go to my office and grab my Bible? It's got like paper clips and clips and rubber bands and everything else around it. How am I going to get up here and talk without my Bible? What kind of church is this? Why are you here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I probably don't even believe in Jesus at this church. Um, I'm just kidding. But those are things that people have said, so it's really not that funny. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a joke, but not really a joke. Um, <laughs> Bob, let's hear it for Vanna White. I mean, Bob, yeah. Beautiful, thanks, dude. So um, even this right here, the scriptures, this is God revealing himself to us, right? It's God sort of showing himself to us, helping us to understand who he is and have relationship with him. And so even in scriptures that's inspired by God, the terminology that they use, the stories that they use, still barely scratch the surface of who God is. It takes this huge, massive concept of God and then puts it down into language that we can understand, puts it down in stories that we can understand, puts it down in in these situations that we can put our little tiny brains and wrap around and say, oh, okay, I think I have an understanding or at least a small understanding of who God is, right? A great example of this is in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking and he's describing the kingdom of God. And he describes it so many different ways. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says, uh, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And then down in verse 31, it says, Jesus is still talking. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in this field. And then even further down in verse 33, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And then in verse 44, all in the same chapter, all in the same series of talks, in verse 44 it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And then in verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. 
And so even in Scripture, when, whenever God is attempting to reveal himself to us, he takes this massive, huge concept and puts it in ways that we can understand, right? He says the kingdom of God is like flour. I'm like, huh? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a sower. The kingdom of God is like a net that you cast out. He's saying, this is a huge concept. Let me put it in some ways that I think maybe you can understand what I'm talking about. Because it's so big, you can't truly, really wrap your mind around it. And so Jesus is revealing these facets and characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. But the full breadth of the kingdom of heaven, we can't understand. Because it's so big, it's so massive, the expanse is so large that it's beyond anything that our little minds can even comprehend. And so the Bible uses imageries and metaphor and similes and parables and all these different literary devices to give us a glimpse of who God is. And so as we're looking at this love idea, I want us to think about the, the imagery and the example that God uses to paint a picture of love for us to even begin to understand. Because God's love is so huge and so massive that he paints this picture of a way that we can kind of comprehend and understand it. And so in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, I'm going to read all of them. They say, never read that many verses in, in church. It's a social, like, speaking suicide. Don't do it. I'm going to do it anyway. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It should be up on the screen so you can follow along or you can just listen. It says, now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so this guy named Nicodemus, who's like one of the lead Jewish guys, one of the main like church guys, one of the main church leaders, comes to Jesus and he's like, dude, what's the story on this? What's the deal? I know you're from God because you're doing all this crazy stuff. I want to know what's going on. And in reply, Jesus declared in verse three, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And so Nicodemus hears this and he's like, What? What in the world? He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And so at this point, Nicodemus' eyes are kind of going crossed. And he's looking off in the distance. He's like, huh? What? And so Nicodemus comes back in verse 9. He's like, how can this be? How does this make sense? And in verse 10, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so Jesus is here talking to this religious guy named Nicodemus. And he's laying it out there, all the complexity of salvation and the ins and outs of giving your life to God and following Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to give you new life and regeneration. And there's a whole lot of theology taking place in these first 17 verses of chapter 3 in John. A whole lot going on. But in verse 16, we get this snapshot of God's love. We get this snapshot 
that barely scratches the surface of the massivity, if that's even a word, the massiveness. I don't even know how you say that. The hugeness, right, of God's love. We get a snapshot of that in verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, this is not the fullness of God's love. This is a snapshot of God's love. This is a picture of God's love. And now think about it. I have four kids, right? And I love my kids. I, I, was, I was telling my wife, I mean, I, I freaking start crying when they're doing this on stage, right? I, lo- I love these little dudes. And I told my wife the other night before we went to bed, I was like, babe, it's the craziest thing. I didn't know that I could love as much as I love my kids. Like, I didn't know that that could happen inside of a person. Not to discount how much I love my, she's like, oh, thanks. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I love you a lot, yes. But it's just, it's different. And those of us who are parents or who have experienced, you know, child, children, and all, it, it's, it's just, it's just different. It's just this, I can't even describe it. It just, it almost takes you over, especially the self-sacrificial side of parenthood right? When they're crying in the middle of the night and you want to slam your head into the wall, but you get up and you hug them and kiss them and love them. It's this, it's this craziness, right? It's just completely different thing. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Many of you parents will uh, agree with me. Some of you will think I'm the biggest jerk in the world, but there is literally absolutely nothing under the sun that I would give my children up for. Absolutely nothing. I love them so much. If someone said to me, just pick one of your kids and, you know, give them up and Mother Teresa can live another 10 years and keep doing her ministry and being the light of the world, I'd be like, sorry, Mother, you had your chance. I'm keeping my kids. (laughs) Right? Some of you are like, yep, that guy's going to hell for sure. But for real, there's nothing that, I mean, someone could come to me and say, hey, you can have the cure for cancer. You can have the cure for AIDS. You can have world peace. I'm I'm like, I got my little babies, man. I'm sorry. Y'all going to have to deal. Right? Because I love my kids so much that there is, I have such a deep abiding love for my children that very few things in the universe compare to how I feel about my kids and how much I love them. And it's in the way that Jesus describes God's love for humanity, the way that God decides to play this thing out and show us a snapshot of his love, it's almost as if God is saying, hey, Sam, you know how much you love your kids? You know how much you, you know that thing that you can't describe, but you just, man, like it brings you to tears. You know that? Yeah. Well, I loved you guys so much that I gave my one and only son as a, as a sacrifice for you. That's how much I love you. And so when we put it into human terms and he puts it in a way that we can understand it, our minds should be blown by that. We're like, what? What? He loves us that much? He loves you and me and all of us that much that he gave his one and only son for us? I think about my kids and I think, no way. I don't like any of you that much. I don't think any of you are sweet enough and kind enough and pretty enough and nice enough. No way. But God says, let me paint you a picture of what my love looks like. Just a little snapshot. Let me just give you a feel for it. Let me give you a little preview of what I got going on. He says, I love you so much, so much that I gave my one and only son for you when you were still a giant turd, when you were still the biggest jerk in the world, when you were far from me, when you had your back turned on me, when, you, when everybody else was like, no, that person sucks. He was like, no, 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 no. I give my only son for you. That's how much I love you. When you spit in my face, I give my son 
for you. And see, I feel like we get desensitized from that. This John 3.16, right when I, as I was reading all the passage, you guys were like, okay, all right, okay, all right. And then as soon as I started reading John 3.16, most of you were probably like, oh, I know this one. This, yeah, I know this one. Yeah, yeah, it's my jam. I've heard that one before. Yeah, Tebow's got it under his eyes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I get it. Some of you started quoting Austin 3.16. I was like, whoa, chill out. Chill out with all that, all you wrestling fans. Be, be easy. But as I'm saying that, you guys are like, whoa, I get that one. You know why? Because we've been taught it our entire lives. We've heard it since we were kids. It's like the first thing you learn in kids' church. You hear it at VBS. Maybe your grandma taught you that one. That's like the most popular one. But we get desensitized to it. We forget the massivity of that. God loves us so much that he gave his only son for us. And when you become a parent, you kind of realize that. And you say, whoa, that is so intense. That is so huge. That is such a deep, deep, massive love that permeates everything. It permeates everything. And so the love of God that, that we're sort of focusing on for this Advent season is so much bigger than some words on some booty shorts or what the movies and music and culture try to tell us that it is. This love that God has for us is a self-sacrificial love, an unconditional love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, whoever does not love God, or whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And love permeates everything, all of creation, all that we are, all of our shortcomings, all of our mess-ups, all of our you know, brokenness, all of our shame. Love covers all of that. It permeates all of that. That's why we respond in worship. Because he loves us. That's why we respond in prayer. Because he loves us. That's why we respond through giving and generosity. Because he loves us. That's why we meet as the local church. That's why we do this whole thing. Because he loves us. That's why we read and study his word. Because it's revealing his love to us. That's why we give our life to him. Because he loves us. And the beauty of it is that he loves us in the middle of our junk. He loves us before we ever loved him. He loves us through and in everything. And here's what's awesome. He calls us to do the same thing. He says, you don't just get to receive, 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 receive. He says, no, 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 no. You need to reciprocate and you need to reflect. It's not just receive, 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 but he says, I love you so much. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, this is Jesus talking. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't say you'll know my, but they'll know you're my disciples because you got this book memorized and you got it locked and loaded in your pocket. And when that Jehovah's Witness comes to the door, you beat the crap out of them with it. That's how they'll know you're my disciple. Or you're at work around the water cooler and somebody asks you a question, you're like, boom, let me show you what I got prepared to share with you. Don't say they're going to know you're my disciple by all that. Don't say you're going to know my, you're my disciple when someone trips up on Facebook and you're like, I will show them what Jesus thinks. No. Totally, it says you will know, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's the kind of love that God has from us. It's receiving that and then reflecting that to others. We have the same ability to love because he loved us first. And so the birth of, of baby Jesus was this birth of this new kind of love as defined by God. And so we must respond to that. We must reciprocate that, and then we must reflect that 
to others. And so maybe you're in here this morning and, and you've never dealt with John 3.16. You know, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've seen it on athletes' shoes or on their little black things under their eyes or whatever the case may be, but maybe you've never really dealt with John 3.16. Maybe you've never grasped the magnitude of God's love for you. Maybe it's been something you learned in kids' church, but you didn't realize, man, whoa, yeah, let me step back a second and, and, and kind of, wow, that's heavy. That's huge. That is deep. That is all-encompassing. That permeates everything. Maybe you've never accepted the sacrifice of Christ as a result of God's love for you. Maybe you've heard about this thing, but you've never really been like, hey, yeah, God, let's, let's, let's do this, Right? Because listen, the only thing within our human condition that closely relates to the magnitude of God's love for us is this example that that, that God decides to use of sending Jesus to this earth and dying for us. That's the closest thing that we get to understanding the massivity of God's love for us. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you've never accepted that sacrifice. See, the way it works for you to be in relationship with God for you to be in, in communion with God and for God to be, you know, you guys to be cool and, you know, this whole thing, you know, I set my son that you may have eternal life and all that. The way that works is that you just accept the sacrifice that God made for you. You say, I get it. God sent his son to this earth to die on my behalf. And since he did that, Jesus stood in the gap between a holy God and a broken humanity because we are broken and we're full of just mess ups and screw ups and sin and all that stuff, Right? And, and, and Jesus shows up and he says, I see that humanity's here. I see that God's here. I'm gonna stand in the gap. And so if you accept the sacrifice that Christ made for you, then now a broken humanity can be in relationship with the holy God. And you can have communion with God. And that's incredible. And so maybe you're in here and you've never wrestled with that. Maybe you've never made a decision on that. Maybe you've never heard it put so plain and clear and boom, there you have it. And so if you're in here today and you're like, man, I just need to, I need to get on board with what that guy's saying, man. I'm, I'm into that. If you want to experience this love that's bigger and greater and more massive than anything we can even comprehend, it's simple. It's a simple conversation with God. You just say, dude, I want in. I'm in. I accept the, 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 the sacrifice on the cross. I'm in. I want in. It's a decision that's like this. There's no magic hocus pocus words to say. It's a decision that's like this, but it's a process that takes a lifetime. It's a process of relationship, just like any relationship. It takes takes working on it. It's a process. You know, I'm still working on mine. Many of the people in this room, everybody, you're all working on it in different stages and different levels. So it's a process for everybody. So maybe you're in here and you're kind of wrestling with that. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're... You, you've, you've been there, you've done that, you've, you've wrestled with it, you're in a relationship with God, but the reality is you're not recognizable by your love. You're the person at the water cooler with the locked and loaded Bible on your hip ready to beat the crap out of people with it, right? Maybe you're not recognizable by your love. Maybe, it's, maybe for you, you need to work on your love for others. You know, you're not recognizable by your love for others because you're like, oh yeah, me and God, we got this thing, but everybody else is a jerk, right? I, 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 me and God are cool, it's God's people that I hate right? But, but Jesus is saying here, no, 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 listen, that's not, that's not the way it goes. You got this love for God, that's cool, but that's only half the story because we're called to love others as well. Not only receive it, but reflect it. So maybe you're in here this morning and you need to start being recognizable by your love, your love for others. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to be recognizable by your love for Christ. Maybe you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but ain't nobody at work know about it. Nobody in your family knows about it. 
And if they found out, you'd be really embarrassed because the way you act. Let me throw a little kidney shots here at the end, okay? Maybe you need to be recognizable in public by your relationship with Christ. Maybe it needs to start impacting your decisions and your conversation. Maybe it starts need, needs to start impacting the people you hang out with, the things that you involve yourself with. Maybe we need to kind of wrestle with that this morning. But I would challenge you, as the band leads us in another song, I would challenge you to really reflect on the magnitude of John 3.16. Reflect on the amount of love that God has for us. That the birth of this baby in a manger is the beginning of a beautiful love story that starts with God sending his son sacrificially on your behalf because he loves us so, so, so much, more than our minds can even comprehend. And so as the band leads this song, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God. Maybe you need to just, you need to reflect on the magnitude of God's love for you. Maybe you need to spend a few minutes accepting the sacrifice and the grace and the forgiveness that God has for you. And you need to enter into relationship with him today. Maybe you need to ask God's love to be evident in your heart and in your life. But no matter where you fall in this conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this unconditional, self-sacrificing love that you give us God, I pray this morning for those of us in here who are saying, man, yeah, I want in on that. I want in on that relationship. I want to be part of that crew. God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now to wrap their arms around them, that they would feel your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your compassion and your acceptance. That you would welcome them to the family. God, I pray for those of us in this room who need to receive the love of God, who are consistently thinking we're not good enough, consistently thinking that we are just, just outside the parameters of God's love, that we've screwed up too much, that there's no way he could love us. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to wrap your arms around them and let them feel your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your acceptance. God, for those of us in here who need to wrestle with, with living out this love, for being defined by this love, whether it be, you know, at work or in our families or just in our hearts and the way we treat people, the way we act around people, the way we respond to people. God, I pray that we would wrestle with that love this morning, that we would receive, we would reciprocate, and we would reflect your love to a broken, hurting, dying God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your acceptance. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.